Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Pam Baker who is featured in Wine Country Women of Willamette Valley in Walla Walla. Pam is the owner and operator of Little Lavender Farm in the Willamette Valley. Pam, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Michelle. It's nice to be here. You're just an amazing woman. I love, love, love your farm, and I can't wait to share all the great details with our listeners today. But before we dive into everything Little Lavender Farm, I want to know, what was your first professional full-time job? My first professional full-time job, I was a, a English teacher. I was part-time for quite a few years working at, I was one of those freeway flyers, adjunct instructors who went from community college to community college. I did that for several years. And then my first full-time gig as a teacher was at a project-based charter school, high school in San Diego, California. And how many years did you teach? I was at, it's the, the name of the school is High Tech High International. And I was there for 10 years. I taught 11th and 12th grade and just had a wonderful time. It was just so much fun. A lot of work, a lot of stress, but so much fun hanging out with high school students. Um, I'm not sure every adult would say say that. (laughs) I I get that response. That's why I kind of giggled because I loved it, but I know there are a lot of people that are like, what? (laughs) Did you teach English to those high schoolers? I did. And especially when I was teaching the seniors, my whole goal was to get them ready for college writing since I had been also a a college instructor. So I went into that just really thinking I'm going to prepare these guys for, you know, critical thinking, critical reading, you know, honing their writing skills, getting them ready for college. And that's what was that was really it's so much fun as an English teacher when I would assign these different topics to hear what they think about their world. You know, it's like, what do you think about all these topics and to get inside their brains a little bit. And I have to tell you, and I've said this many times, that working with them just gives me or working when I was working with them, it gave me so much hope for the future. There are just some amazing young people out there. And I was just so proud and honored that I got to work with them. That's neat. Do you stay in touch with any of them today? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Social media is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I get to see what they're doing with their lives, you know, where they went to college and what they're doing now. And I'll comment every once in a while because I don't want to be, you know, that weird teacher that they had. But it's just so fun to see what they're doing and to kind of cheer them on, you know, from behind the scenes. How does a teacher from San Diego land in the middle of Willamette Valley and decide to start a lavender farm? What's the story? In San Diego, we lived on an acre. I'm going to give you the full story. We lived on an acre and it was south facing and it was really hot and the dirt was terrible and we never knew what to do with that section of our yard. And one day we went to um, a lavender farm, a close by, like the only lavender farm I know of in Southern California. We looked around and we thought, oh my gosh, this is like the exact same conditions that are in our backyard. Let's just plant some lavender. 
So we just did it just to, to make the backyard look pretty so it wasn't just dirt. So we bought like 50 lavender plants that oh, day wow. went up and started planting like crazy. And the more I, I learned about this plant, the more that I researched it, the more in love I was with it, with it and started experimenting and went to a soap making class and started, you know, learning how to distill essential oils. And we made all kinds of, you know, mistakes and learned from those mistakes. So I started going to farmers markets and I thought in the back of my mind, I thought, okay, this is going to be my, my next gig. You know, it's like after teaching, I want to see if eventually I can get to a point where this could be my full-time job. And right around that time, just as things were kind of coming, uh, the plants were all getting big and beautiful and I was kind of figuring everything out. My husband and his, his um, business partner decided to shut down their business and my husband started looking for, you know, another, another job. And he got a bite from a company in Wilsonville, which is about a half an hour from where we live. And we decided that we were just going to, we would decide we would just move here. Our youngest son had just gone off to college and we just thought, well, you know, why not? And actually the summer before we moved here, we came up to the Willamette Valley for vacation and stayed over at Durant Ridge Red, Red Ridge Farms and just fell in love with the area, as you can imagine. Right. So when we got home and he got the spike from Wilsonville, we thought, well, we love that place. We'd love it. So let's go there. <laughs> and so we did. And so the idea, you know, when we moved out here, we thought, okay, we want more land. We want to expand our farm. And um, that's what we did. I mean, we were looking for, we, we just feel so fortunate to be in this beautiful place. And we got the house of our dreams and a nice big field for our lavender. And, and we just started going. And that's how we got here. <laughs> <laughs> so what year did you relocate to the Willamette Valley? We relocated in, in December of 2016. Okay. So you're working towards five years. Yeah, it's been a busy, it's been a bit a busy few years, but it's been such a fun and exciting few years. I, I taught at um, Portland Community College for several years. The business was busy enough and successful enough to where I was able to say, okay, I get to stop teaching now. <laughs> so just this last December, you know, I made the decision, okay, I'm done teaching. This is my full-time gig now. And so that, that little dream of mine came true. That's awesome. Willamette Valley is much different than San Diego. Did you go through an adjustment period or are you still adjusting or how's that going? Honestly, I, I, and I've told my husband this, I feel like I should have always lived here. It just feels like home to me. I mean, I grew up in the California desert and even the whole time that I lived there, I was just always craving something green. You know, we would go up to the Sierras and and that would be my green fix. And then I moved to San Diego and that was a little bit of green. Um, but it's very, very brown in right. Southern California for so much of the year. Um, and so when I moved up here, it just felt like, yeah, this is this is where I should have always been. That's great since that's where you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't well, mind the rain either. So. <laughs> and and you have two dogs, four goats, six chickens. You've got mm -hmm. fields and fields of beautiful lavender. You've really made yourself at home. So, yeah. I mean, I love 
lavender, and you have so mm-hmm. many different types. What's the differences between all the types of lavender that you grow? There are two main types that I grow. There's angustifolia, which is some people call the English lavender or true lavender. Um, and that's a smaller plant. It can be used for culinary. It makes a kind of a sweeter essential oil. And I have three kinds of the angustifolia. I have a royal velvet, which is it's, it's just stunning. It's just this deep, beautiful, rich purple and makes beautiful dried bouquets. That's the, the bouquet that I sell the most of. Um, and I've got one called French Fields, which is a lighter purple. Um, and I use that mostly for culinary. It's good for culinary. It's not quite as sweet as the royal velvet. It almost has almost has like like a slightly peppery taste to it. Mm. And then I have uh, a variety called Felice, which I had to have because that was my mother's name was Felice. Aww. And as soon as I saw that there was a variety called Felice, I was like, well, of course, you know, I have to have that one. Absolutely. Yeah. And that one, it's a beautiful dark blue. I don't use it for anything other than making these beautiful little wreaths. And then, so that's the one kind, the angustifolia. And then the other kind that I have is called intermedia. Those are the bigger, really showy, dramatic looking lavenders, really large bouquets. And this is the essential oil that I use for my bath and body products. Um, you don't want to use the the intermedia for culinary because it it tastes like soap basically oh, when you, yeah. if you use it. Um, and it's really interesting. I love having the two different varieties and have people smell them and and just note the difference in smell between the two, mm. uh, between the intermediate and the angustifolia. And so I have um, three. Well, actually four now four kinds of intermedia i have a gross blue which is a beautiful dark purple really showy great for fresh and dried bouquets um, i have a impressed purple which is not my favorite and i'm actually going to be kind of uh phasing that out uh, yeah cutting back i mean it's good for some things that it the sachets that it makes like dried bud is really it smells really good it's really strong and then grosso is my favorite of the intermediates because the essential oil that you get from Grosso is amazing. And that's what I, um, that's what I mostly use in my bath and body products. And then there's a new one that I'm putting into the field called Riverina um, Thomas and it's from Australia. And it's apparently, this is, I, it, the, the plants are really small right now, so we'll see, but um, the plants that I have seen are just humongous. They're just huge. And apparently it gives a really nice essential oil too. So I'm always like, you know, adjusting, revising my field. You know, I, it's like, I think I always tell myself in the fall, okay, you have enough. You don't need to, to plant anymore. This is plenty. And then over the winter, I'll hear about another plant and I'm like, okay, I got to have that one. So um, it's a it's a work in progress. How long does it take to grow a new lavender planting so that you can use it for culinary? I was using some of mine the first year that I planted them. Oh, wow. Okay. They grow very quickly and you'll at least get some the first year that you plant it. And then it will, it'll get about you know, it's, it depends on the on the variety, but it'll get anywhere from about two feet around to like three or four feet around. 
That's pretty good size. I'm not with you today, but I remember Mm -hmm. visiting with you and just seeing that beautiful sea of purple. Yeah. You see lavender for days. It's so beautiful. So it's fascinating that you cook with lavender or that you Mm -hmm. use it for culinary applications. Can you expand upon that? Like what what kind of products are you using your lavender in? A lot of people don't associate lavender with culinary. I think it's becoming a little bit more known. Um, There are several lavender farmers in the area who really specialize in the culinary part of lavender use. There's some good cookbooks out there. That's actually not something that I do as much of. I usually, the things that I make are usually just bath and body products, but then I'll use the culinary. I will sift it and clean it and then package it. And then people can make, can use it for their own culinary. I see. Um, I also have teas that I buy from a local distributor and then I add my culinary lavender to that. And that's about as far as I go with the culinary. (laughs) Okay. But on your website, you've got a couple of recipes Mm -hmm. that people can refer to if they want to experiment with some of your lavender. So they can always purchase from you and then experiment. Yes. Two of my favorites are anything with lavender and lemon go really well together. But then also on the more savory side, I love the herbs de Provence, which is just that combination of herbs that you can put on potatoes and chicken and things like that. And so those are would be my favorites. Favorites. What's the most challenging part of having a lavender business? The physical upkeep so the harvesting so I do everything myself my husband helps with the mowing and you know when we're planting and things like that but the upkeep of the fields is all on me sometimes I'll I'll wrangle my kids into helping me (laughs) if they're (laughs) the pruning and the harvesting all of that you know bending over kind of work is the most challenging I think physical labor of it all during the course of this second career of yours Mm -hmm. have you had a mentor or somebody that's kind of helped guide you along the way or are you just learning as you go a little bit of both in san diego i was just reading everything i could possibly read about lavender but then once i moved up here there's a wonderful organization called um, oregon lavender association which has actually just morphed into an organization called Lavender Northwest. And so that it encompasses Washington, Oregon, and Idaho lavender farms. Fascinating. Oh, it's wonderful. And the, the people in that organization are so incredibly supportive and encouraging and knowledgeable and helpful. I have worked with Chris Mulder at Barnell Nursery. She's given me lots of really great tips. Um, we actually worked together on the Lavender Northwest newsletter together. And then when I first moved here, Nicole Kalin over at Norwood Lavender Farm, she was always so encouraging and helpful. I feel like I have a ton of mentors around here just because of how collaborative. I think that's great because you can share best practices, Mm -hmm. you can learn from one another, you can support one another. And as long as there's a great love for lavender, it's it's not like you're really competing with each other. No. And we're spread out enough that it doesn't feel like there's any, you know, it doesn't feel com- competitive at all. It just feels very supportive. Each of us kind of has our own specialty in a way. Like some people really focus on color- culinary. Some people really focus on oils. Does the terroir 
affect lavender flavor? You know, I think the only way that it does, I, I don't think it really does. The only thing I know is that our part of our field has some of that, you know, really clayey jory soil. And so I have to really break that up because lavender does not like clay. It does not like to have its feet wet. So I have to really amend it, loosen up the soil. And, you know, thankfully my field is on a hill so that the, you know, it's not, the water's not just going to stay there. So yeah, I don't think that it really does. So your business is growing. Tell us what's new. In March, actually, we got our keys on March 1st in 2020, which everyone knows what that means. It means everything shut down very right. soon. After. <laughs> Sadly. We got our keys to our little shop in downtown Newburgh on March 1st. In that little shop with my friends and neighbors, Pollinate Flowers, they just live around the corner from us. So it's the perfect combination, I think, anyway. There's lavender on one side of the shop and there are flowers on the other side of the shop. It is a perfect um, combination. It's like we kind of draw in different customers and then once they're there, like, oh, <laughs> there are flowers too. Come on, get some of those. But it's it's funny because this it's a tiny little shop and it was actually my hairdresser's shop. And the first time I went into that little shop, I thought, oh, this would be the perfect size. If I was ever going to have a lavender shop, this is what I would want to, about the size I'd want it to be. And so I heard from my hairdresser that she was moving to a larger space and so as soon as I heard that, I contacted her landlord and inquired whether the space was available. And he said yes. And so then I started thinking, well, flowers would be really nice to go along with the lavender shop. And so I contacted my friends over at Pollinate Flowers, John and Jeremy, and asked them, you know, would you want to sell your flowers wholesale to me and have kind of a outlet for your flowers? And John texted back and said, would you like to have a partner? <laughs> and I immediately said, yes, yes, I would, because they're <laughs> wonderful. And it's been just so much fun. I mean, this last year is just such a supportive relationship. And we cheer each other on and we help out and offer advice and support and anything else that the other needs and had a lot of fun. So we got our keys on March 1st. Everything shut down mid-March. And so we thought, okay, well, let's remodel. And so that's what we did. For a couple of months, we just kind of worked on remodeling the shop. And then we were able to open in a really limited way in May. And it's been that way ever since. So we don't know anything other than pandemic retail. <laughs> well, hopefully that'll change sometime this year soon. I hope so. Curious. What you would say is the top moment of your lavender career so far? The top moment of my lavender career? Well, I mean, it's kind of two. When we moved here and just expanded our farm, obviously that was a huge one. Um, but the shop also, I mean, both of those things are hand in hand and both boosted my business in different ways, but very much appreciated ways. Right. What's the top product that you make? What's the most popular? I make these little, these cute little gift bags that has like usually three uh, different products in there. Um, it's a little craft bag with a window so you can see the products in there and then I tie it with a bow. And that sells really, really well 
around gift giving times, you know, like um, Christmas, those things were selling like crazy. But the soap also has really started picking up. I sell, I, I, the, the soap has just been con- consistently um, increasing and, and increasing. And I think, you know, I think the draw perhaps is that people know that I use my own essential oil, that the oil that's in those soaps is actually coming from our farm. During lavender season, it's the fresh bouquets because those things sell like crazy. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, throughout the year, it would be the gift bags and the soap. I love the little heart bath bombs. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I think are those are the... <laughs> Those are the best. They make a great gift. They're so pretty. They <laughs> smell wonderful. I mean, really anything lavender. How can you turn it That's away? True. It's That's true. Spectacular. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Let's move on and talk about your personal life. If we took a step inside your home, Pam, what would we see? What's your decorating style? A Tuscan farmhouse, maybe. I don't know. Like the little, yeah, some the green. I don't know. I don't know what my decorating style is. Okay, I just what's put your color scheme? Well, a lot of earth colors, you know, very earthy, you know, um, greens and tans and a few splashes of red and, you know, things like that. Do you have a hobby other than being a phenomenal lavender grower. Well, I'm a writer as well. I'm actually working on a book of um, essays that pertain to to life on a lavender farm. And I'm hoping that that's going to come out sometime this summer. I consider that a fun hobby. It's a lot of fun for me. Well, you're Um, an English teacher after all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like lavender is my hobby and my business. Is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you? Do you have a hidden talent? Do you speak a second language? Have you done something (laughs) in your past that's a little out of the ordinary? I was fortunate enough to teach for a summer in South Africa. Oh, very cool. Uh, Yeah, it was really cool. I was scared to death. Why? You know, going there it was just so out of my comfort zone and it was for the whole summer away from my family and it just made me really nervous but I've learned over the years that I have to do things that make me nervous or I'm not really you know challenging myself I'm not really getting the best of me and so that was that was a very perspective altering trip just seeing how that part of the world the things that they were struggling with kind of comparing that to our own country and and so not only South Africa but but during the time I was a English teacher um, I was fortunate enough to be able to take students on a couple of different trips around the world Um, and that is I would recommend I mean it's it's a lot of work but it's a lot of fun taking a group of teenagers to someplace they've never been and just seeing their minds get kind of blown, you know, they're just like, Oh my God. Yeah. What's one of the trips that was uh, a standout? We took a group to Belize. And so we did a service project for the first 
five days, we were helping to build a library for a little village. And then we got to go uh, traipse around the rest of Belize and see some of the really cool things there. But then also going to France, Switzerland, and Germany. And the last day of our trip, we went, went to Dachau. And that was like, you know, such an important lesson for all of us. And just thinking about how important it is to, you know, recognize that we're all different, but embrace those differences and celebrate those differences and not be afraid of those differences. So that was, there was a couple just amazing trips from, from my time. Wonderful. It really was. And not only meaningful, but insightful. And, and then to mm-hmm. open, open the eyes of your students to these mm-hmm. new communities. I think that's fabulous. Yeah. Have you traveled like with your family and had a meaningful trip that you can share? Actually, just a couple of summers ago, we've gone to a couple on a couple of family trips, but the one, the most recent one was to Italy. I, we took our whole family to Italy and we actually met my sister and her family over there as well. My mom passed away four years ago and Italy was one of her most favorite places. She was Italian or half Italian. So we went over there to honor her and just kind of bond together as a family. There was a winery that we went to called San Felice that we all went to in, in her honor. And just being able to go someplace that we knew we had roots and that we could see our mom, you know, and everything that we were everywhere we went, we just imagined her, her joy at having visited these places. And so, yeah, that was, that was a really meaningful one as well. I love Italy. What what part of Italy did you spend most of your time? Well, we were really all over. It was kind of divided. We went to Lake Como oh, okay. and then we went to Venice and then we went to um, Florence and then we went to a little town called Luca. Oh, I love Luca and the, the Oh my god. The wall. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Riding bikes around the wall. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was fun. It's just a great country. It's Yeah, I it love really the history. is. Me too. Well, let's wrap things up now with what I like to call is five quick questions. They're very oh, this is a- very lighthearted, Pam. <laughs> All right. Okay, you ready? Yes. What kind of car do you drive? A Honda CRV. What's your favorite color? Um, believe it or not, it's not purple. <laughs> it's blue, which is kind of, you know, it's getting there. In that family. What is one of your all-time favorite movies? Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. When it's time for dessert, what do you reach for? Well, I guess chocolate chip cookies are my, like, my favorite. And what is your favorite flower? Besides lavender? Yeah, let's say. <laughs> um, I would say either dahlias or peonies. There you go. Pam, so much fun catching up with you today. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.